It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning, 75 degrees outside already. It's going to be a hot one on Saturday. Get your gardening done this morning, and if you need advice on what to do and when to do and how to do it and what you ought to be doing, give us a call. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help make you more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape, doing whatever needs to be done. And all you have to do again, pick up the phone, 404-872-0750. I'll admit that I did no gardening this week, but I was in a place that is just spectacularly beautiful and pleasant to be in, and that was Brevard and Cashers and a little bit sort of near Asheville, but mostly Brevard this past week, and had a lovely time up there, part of the people that I know participate in the Brevard Music Camp and up in the mountains where it's cooler there than it is down in Atlanta where if you go into a restaurant you hear people talking about Buckhead and people talking about Decatur and people talking about other things because Brevard, Asheville, that sort of end of North Carolina is all considered Atlanta North during the summertime where people go up and rent cabins and things like that for two or three days or a week and they just have lots and lots of fun in the cool weather up there. So again, that was a great experience was to go up to Brevard this past week where I came home, worried that some of my plants might not have survived over the warm weather or the hot weather, and then found out that there had been a storm, at least in our little neighborhood. There was been a storm on Tuesday, I guess it was, and all of my plants were well watered. Everything looks good. So coming back from vacation, you do have some worries. Some of you know this. You go out of town and come back, and the whole garden is dried up and died because you forgot to tell the neighbor kid if he would come water your plants, you would really appreciate it. In my case, I didn't need the neighbor kids. I just relied on nature to come in and take care of my plants, and they are all looking fine. I am still, you're going to laugh at me for this, some of you who have been eating red tomatoes since June, you know who you are. You know you bragged about it to all your friends that, yes, you have the first red tomato of the summer, and you're much ahead of the man on the radio because I have not had yet a red tomato this summer. The squirrels, the chipmunks, the various things that have caused my tomatoes not to have fruit that I could eat. Yep, it all happened. Squirrels, chipmunks, they've all been taking on nice vacations away from my landscape, and they keep coming. And I'm just 14 chipmunks so far that I put in my live trap, or they went into my live trap, and then they got a little trip out of the neighborhood. So I have still not yet gotten a red tomato, and I'm irritated. That's the emotion I would go. I'm irritated that the squirrels would eat that many. One of my neighbors called. He said, what is this eat my tomatoes in my backyard? I said, yeah, it's chipmunks, but I didn't put my chipmunks in his backyard. It's a couple of, couple of three miles away. The chipmunks go to a little swamp, and they can find their own way there. But uh, I'm still lacking that first red tomato of the summer. Here it is already mid-July in the summer, and I can't get that red tomato. Again, our phone number, 404 872 Zero seven fifty. Who? Let me do the buttons. And see which button should I take? This button. This button. That button. No, the button that goes to Nicole in Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole. Mr. Reeves. Mr. Cole. Hey, good morning. No tomato. Not yet. It's coming. I can sort of see a couple of tomatoes that are getting pretty big, and they're 
coming, but they're not red. They're not ready to eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the things, Nicole, that I was went to the highlight of my week was going to the varsity <laughs> yesterday with two good friends, Ashton Ritchie, who you know does the Scotch fertilizers and things, comes on the show sometimes, and my friend Tim Boyer, who works for Superside down in Noonan, and. Uh, so Tim was talking about his tomatoes, and he said, my tomatoes are just sitting there green on the vine, and they're not turning red. And I reminded him of something that I have to keep myself in mindful of, and that is that above 90 degrees, when it gets above 90 degrees, tomatoes simply chemically can't make the dye, the, the pigment in the skin, to make it turn green, and so that's, or turn red, I mean. And so that is the reason that tomatoes right now are just sort of sitting there green because they're not cool enough to go ahead and, and be red. I think everything is slowing down above 90 degrees, even us. (laughs) I think I don't like to get outside when it's above 90 degrees and humid like it is in Atlanta. That's for sure. Boy, I don't think I've ever been so hot to cut the grass. Yeah, right. Hot, 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 hot. Get out and sweat. In fact, I have, um, I guess, my habit, I guess, of, of cutting the grass is to first make in my kitchen a mixture of orange juice... It's really good. Orange juice and Mountain Dew. <laughs> Mountain Dew and orange juice in a big cup that I have. I put that in the refrigerator. I go out, crank up the mower, mow my front lawn, mow my back lawn, come back inside, and just sit for 30 minutes while I drink my uh, Mountain Dew orange juice concoction that just tastes so good and reminds me that I don't need to go out anytime real soon in the heat. Sweet stuff, big time. Yeah, sweet stuff, big time. But it's good for me, Nicole, because it's got orange juice in it. It's got some vitamin C in there. Okay. <laughs> so what's on your mind this week, Nicole? Well, first I want to talk about wing. Why? Uh, because I see a lot of young people that don't have no direction, and we need to show them. Because I was so lucky I had people around me that were yeah. much older. Even my parents were yeah. much older. We have the time, baby boom, have the time we need to have. We need to take somebody underneath our wings. And tell them that this is how life works. Some of us who are parents try to do it to our children, and some maybe whose kids are long gone need to take some other little child. My brother is a, is a foster parent. He's doing the best he can, and I think he's doing a great job with his foster. It is hard. It's really hard because it's not your own blood. Boy, you yeah, have to yeah. be a lot of... I have a lot of patience, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And my brother, Alan, has just done a fabulous job with this young man that he has fostered. And so I'm real pleased to be associated with my own brother because of the good things he's done. Yes. Uh, my other thing is flying saucer. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you see a flying saucer, Nicole? Mr. Reeve, there's a guy, a good friend. He raised some uh, uh, squash Fly, we call them flying saucer oh. because they're white and they are just good looking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are they wide? They're not like a yellow cooked neck squash, just sort of a wide patty pan kind of thing? Yeah, they are just uh, because they are not, uh, they stay crunchy even yeah. in the soup. Huh, well, that's nice. I, you know, I, I read an article yesterday that my friend Artie Schrantz is, uh, works for the State Department of Agriculture, and he was asked, can you still plant squash? And his answer was, of course. It's just the middle of July. You may not like being out in the heat, and you maybe need to shade them a little bit for a week or so, but squash have plenty of time to go ahead and put on a crop, and you avoid a lot of the squash vine borers and squash beetles and things like that by waiting till late in the early, wait in the summer, I guess. It's middle summer, middle of July. But uh, he says you can still plant squash. You get lots of squash by the fall. 
Yeah, because that kind of swash, you forgot about one of them on <laughs> the knee, on board, you got like eight, ten inches. I swear, it is, it, I, you cannot eat it, but at least you can, you know, keep it for the seed inside. There are a lot of folks who will find in their compost pile places where they throw away squash or pitch them over on the side of the garden, and uh, we'll have squash vines, gourd vines, pumpkin vines just going up and down the fences, up and down the, the garden as they come off the compost pile, and it's not unusual at all to have one of these squash or gourds or whatever crossbred thing you have in a compost pile and people wonder where did this come from i mean it's so amazing you just put one seed in the ground and all this <laughs> i mean it's just amazing it is you're right nicole it is amazing to see what one seed can accomplish one vine whether it be kudzu or whether it be squash and gourds, yeah, they can move, they travel, they go all over the garden, and it seems like you can just watch them as they move, as they get longer every day. Our plant collection on this earth is really big. It's a lot of variety, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Things that look neat and different. And, uh, you know, just every corner sometimes you have the possibility of seeing a different plant that you don't know, that you sort of appreciate for its color or its vigor or, or, or foliage or something like that. And that's part of the fascination of my job is I'm always seeing new things, new things that I need to think about and sort of identify in my head. And things that matter. Yeah, true. The plants just make you happy. That's what the, the part of the happiness of being up in Brevard was it's surrounded by trees. This is the greenest little town in the whole wide world. Trees everywhere. And you just feel happy being under the trees when you park, when you get out, when you walk downtown. They're trees. It, feel, it makes your whole body feel more, more calm and accepted. You feel at home, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You feel at home. Was well, this not too far from Asheville? Not very. I think it's 40, maybe some miles. I may, I may be all off on that, but I know we sort of headed in the direction of Asheville and then came back because we went to a, a hike to go that way. So I don't know exactly, but close. They're close, up in the same area of North Carolina. I used to go to Asheville almost every day, back and forth. Back and forth doing the truck, doing yeah, the driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Nicole, I need to drive out of here because we got other things to go and people in line to ask their questions. So it's great talking to you this Saturday. Enjoy your day. And see you soon. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. And we're listening to Lawn and Garden on News Talk WSB. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be blazing hot this afternoon. Metro, metro area getting a little chance of rain, but it makes of cloud and suns this afternoon. The temperature is going up to the mid-90s. Thank you very much. Tonight, skies and chance of rain remain the same. Low in the, let's call it mid-70s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Wayne's down in Fayetteville and Fayette County, where I'm from, and Wayne joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Wayne, good morning. Good morning. How can I help, friend? Well, I've got a question and a tip. Go for it. My question is, I have centipede grass, and uh, last year I had a bumper crop of uh, um, wild onions, or wild, and uh, I killed it. And it left large spots in my yard. Well, I had a friend that lived in the street and he told me that if i would let my grass grow real tall uh and just trim it as high as it go Mm -hmm. it would fill in 
Well, mm-hmm. it has about ninety percent of it filled in, okay. and it's looking real good. Now the question is, some of it is going to seed. Can I let that go to seed? Will it reseed itself? Not well. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it will reseed itself a little bit. It does spread by seed. There's no doubt about that. You can buy centipede seed from the stores, but you'll probably get faster coverage simply by. If you can possibly find a little plug or a little runner, or a little something around the edge of the yard that you can dig up and put into the ground where the where the dead spots are, it gets, it's it's going to do a lot faster than the self seed. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll probably get sod then on, in that case. Yeah, yeah, you uh, can do sod very easily, and uh, you know I know what the, your friend who was talking about mowing it high was all about because mowing it high leaves more grass blade to absorb sunshine. More sunshine means energy, and energy means plant spreads out a little bit. So yeah, real yeah. quick, what's your tip, Wayne? The tip is on tomatoes. Uh, this year, I planted all my tomatoes horizontal. Yeah, I know what and, you mean. In the in the ground, yeah. In the bed. And I put a plastic tent over it. I went to Lowe's <laughs> and bought some PVC yeah. and built uh, and bent uh, a little tent. And then I got a piece of plastic put over it. Now, I've got tomatoes. I, it, all of this is in raised beds. Right. i got tomatoes to the right of it. i got tomatoes to the left of it. Both of those tomatoes now are just vines. All the leaves just right. completely wilted off. Of. But the ones under the tent doing pretty well? It's just, well, the, the front ones that the sun gets to, they're starting to wilt. Hmm. But the ones underneath the plastic is looks just like they were two months ago and just getting loads and loads of tomatoes off. Ah, that's what we want to hear, loads and loads of tomatoes. And what you're doing is drying the foliage, just making sure the disease don't spread very fast in that little tomato patch there. So that's a smart idea, a little umbrella over your tomato plants to keep the foliage dry, at least at the top of the foliage. That's a good thing to do. At 628, News Talk WSB, back to more Lawn and Garden after news. With a big smile, but they haven't got a clue. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 636, 74 degrees outside. We're going to go up into the mid-90s this afternoon. Get your gardening done now, and if you don't know what to do, give me a call, 404-872-0750. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I have killed more plants than you have, which makes me qualified to host this show. We go with Anne-Marie first in Mableton, Georgia. Hey, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm fine. I'm great. I'm up, and I'm talking to Ashley and Sky, so I'm doing great. <laughs> I am worried about my dogwood trees. Yeah. If you go back into early spring when they typically bloom, then they leaf out. With all the, you know, we had erratic um, freezing, mm-hmm. and I didn't know if maybe that affected it. Most of them did not bloom, yeah. and now they're only maybe half leafed out. It looks like a lot mm. of, well, there are a lot of bare limbs. I don't know that they're dead. But they're bare. Um, And these are mature trees. I have maybe five or six. And I'm worried that they're dying. We oftentimes hear the phrase, you know, mankind's lot is four score years and ten, or three three score years and ten. That makes more sense. About 70 years old. Whoever wrote that line was sort of reflecting on you when you get up to 70, 80 ish, you're on the, you know, the last years of your life, perhaps. And the same thing I think happens to dogwoods, Anne Marie, that I think dogwoods have a lifespan of. 
two-score years and fives, you know, 25 to 35 years in dogwoods. It seems like no matter how well they've been taken care of, get to about 25, 30 years and they begin to decline. The leaves don't come out like they ought to. They don't bloom very well. And all of a sudden, you don't have a dogwood anymore. Oh, dear. Yeah. I'm afraid that's happened because these are at least 25 to 30 years old, yeah. maybe and older. Nothing can be done, particularly to reverse that whole uh, aging, I guess, process. And dogwoods, they're sensitive to the environment, but many times the environment that they got harmed by was two, three, four, five even years ago during the droughts that we had mm-hmm. earlier and various you know, mechanical things like somebody hit them with a lawnmower 20 years ago, and so that place made a little canker in the bark and can't be, uh, can't be fixed by the dogwoods. So so I say you enjoy them until you just can't enjoy them anymore, and then you take them out and plant another dogwood. Oh, dear, I may not live long enough for them to get this big again. <laughs> well, get, you know, if you save your money a little bit, you can get one of the ball and burlap dogwoods. It'll be oh, 10, 10 easily feet tall, maybe 12 or 15. And they're expensive, yes, but they will at least give you pleasure for the blooms and the foliage on them for at least the next 5 or 10, 15 years. And so, you know, that's just what I think you should do. If enjoy them until you can't enjoy them anymore, and then take them out and replace them. Well, I guess that's what I'll have to do. These yeah. were special because my father planted them yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. when he was alive. I but. wish I could say you can root cuttings or something like that. Maybe seedlings is a, is the way to go because the seeds that drop from dogwoods are generally viable. They sprout within a year or so. <laughs> but trying to I make can't cuttings. I tell you how much time I spend pulling those things out of the ground. Oh, and now you <laughs> wish you had them, don't you? I know. If you find one this year, that's your special one. Take that, and then that'll be the the replacement dogwood for you. There you go. Well, I appreciate it, and I guess you're telling me what I thought I was going to hear (laughs) but didn't want to. Sorry for the bad news, (laughs) Anne-Marie. Great talking to you, though. Thank you very much. We'll see you. we got Kay. Kay's in Watkinsville this morning and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kay. Good morning. Last week I called you wanting a a particular plant recommendation for us for a specific area okay and you told me to go to your website and to you know see what you would recommend in there and, yeah um, sure. I, so I, I did go to the website and i wasn't sure i found it but i just continued looking and i found very specific recommendations i mean extremely specific uh, so then i go to my garden center and i don't find that particular plant Arr. and you know, so one of the things I was looking for is perhaps a Laura Petalum. Yeah. But a low-growing one. There is one that tops out at about three feet. Sure. Okay. Uh, but that's not what I was seeing in my garden center. So then when I continued my online search, mm-hmm. they were available to the trade in multiples of 500. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. So what is your recommendation for finding these unique, very specific plants? This is a little purple pixie. Was that what you were looking for? I don't know. I don't remember what it was exactly now, but I just remember, I can't find it. Yeah, well, purple pixie is is usually the, what they call ground cover cascading or uh, some other descriptive term for the low-growing lower petalum that only, in my experience, gets about 12 to maybe 15 inches high. So it's not a big plant, but it does spread out. And uh, I thought that they all got killed by the cold weather last winter and this past winter as well, but they seem to have recovered, leached back out again in the place that I pass by frequently. So purple pixie would fit what you're looking for, Kay. And for that, let's see, in Watkinsville, you can go to uh, Goodness Grows, uh, which is over in Lexington. You can go up to Kofor Feed and Seed in Athens. And, you know, they ought to have purple pixie. Come on. It's been out in the the trade for 10 years almost now. Okay. It seems like that was not what I found online. So maybe I was looking for the wrong one. But if you do find a plant that is online, I mean, and it is recommended for your area. Yeah. 
if you want to order plants online, and I order plants frequently online in the spring or in the fall previous so that I can have things waiting on me, they'll ship at the right time and all that. So I use uh, Plant Delights Nursery over in North Carolina and Brent and Becky's Bulbs for Bulbs. And it seems like there's another place in here that I've ordered from before. And I've been perfectly satisfied with their plants. Shipping is sort of expensive, but the plants themselves very healthy. Very healthy. Okay. All right. Well, those are good places to look. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Okay. It's great talking to you. All right. Goodbye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Kay's place. Blake is up in Athens, slightly north of Kay, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Blake. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? All right. I've got uh, some bonsai trees out in my yard. Yeah. And I've got bagworms destroying it. Uh, easiest way to get rid of bagworms. How many of our listeners out there know what a bagworm is? Everybody who knows what a bagworm is, raise your hand. Okay, we got a bunch of people out there, Blake, who know what bagworms are, and there's how many don't know what a bagworm is? Oh, there's a lot more hands. There are a lot more hands of people who don't know what a bagworm is. So to give sort of the physiological history of this uh, little insect creature, the female moth lays her eggs in those bags. And so you see these little bags that look like they're covered in needles sort of that moves very slowly around uh, junipers and a couple of other plants that they really favor. And the female moth lays her eggs there. The eggs hatch out in the spring. Some of them are male. They have wings. Some of them are female, and they don't have wings. And because the females don't have wings, they need some way of protecting themselves from predators, and so they spin the sort of silken sack and attach the glue, the little needles to it, so it looks like a bag about two inches long, a little spindle about two, two and a half inches long, and they eat the foliage off your tree. What tree are they eating, Blake? Uh, it's, I guess it would be a, a cedar. Yeah, junipers and cedars and arborvitae and Leland cypress, they're all that same sort of evergreen family or ones that the bagworm really loves. They really love it. So how would you say half the plant or a little bit of the plant? How much is affected? Well, it, it started off, and I just noticed it was dying at the top. Now it's about halfway down the tree, and it's only been maybe a week. Mm, man, man, oh, man. The best thing, although the hottest thing <laughs> that you can do is get out on a ladder or a step stool and go up and down the tree looking for all the bags, picking them off, putting them in a bucket or something, and then destroying them. Uh, because they're going to continue to feed for the next month or so until finally the female gets mature enough to lay eggs in the bag. So that's what you got to do is pick all the bags off. Yeah. All right. So just take them off? Best you can. Pick them off and destroy. You cannot leave them on the ground. You just destroy them. All right. All right. Uh no spray, no nothing, just take them off. You know, they're, they're so protected in that bag, and the you know foliage that they eat, it's difficult to get insecticides into the foliage well enough so that the bagworm female dies from ingesting that. You could try if you want to. Uh, one of the permethrin, cypermethrin, uh, bug be gone. Basically, all the ortho bug be gone or Bayer insecticides would kill a few of them, but honestly, you're not going to get great results from the insecticide as much as you will from simply going out in the hot weather and picking them all off. All right. Well, sounds like a plan. That's a plan. It's not one you like, but it's a plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll give you something to do this afternoon, Blake. Yes, sir. We'll see you all soon. Right. Well, Thanks, well, Carla, man. It. 
404-872-0750. If you really want to see something interesting and you have bagworms on your on your plants, and sometimes it's easy to see the damage that they do because it's sort of like one half of the arborvitae is dead and the other half is green. And uh, I know my friend Newton Hogg and I were driving down somewhere on Roosevelt Highway, I think it was, and down south of Atlanta, and we were driving down there, going to a meeting, and all of a sudden he said, "Stop, stop, stop! I got to take some pictures." And I said, "What did you see at 60 miles an hour that you got to take a picture of?" He said, "They're bagworms with an arborvitae. We just passed, so we backed up and drove into the little driveway and uh, and took pictures. And sure enough, there were hundreds of bags, these little needle-covered bags, all up and down this plant. And uh, Newton knew it about 60 miles an hour. He knew what it was just by observation on the highway. And again, if you want something interesting to do, open them up. Get a little pair of scissors and open up that bag and expose the female in there. She is a female wingless uh, creature that lays her eggs in the bag. And that's one of the reasons I just mentioned to, to Blake of getting all the bags away, because by removing bags, you're removing all the eggs. And that's what you really don't want to hatch out next spring. Rocky is in Dallas, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Rocky, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hey, man, I'm fine. What's up? Hey, I got some tomatoes that are uh, ripening vertically. Huh. Uh, so the right side of the tomato is uh, ripe red and the left side is green huh I've never seen that before i will just bet good money i'll bet good money that what's happening is that the ripening side has a little more shade on it and the green side is the side that's exposed to sunshine because i think you may have heard earlier in the show maybe not but earlier in the show i talked about different temperatures at which tomatoes can ripen and my friend tim boyer yesterday was talking about his tomatoes that are just sitting green on the vine and i said well you got to have temperatures that are less than 90 degrees and if you have temperatures less than 90 the chemicals that make up the coloration the red color on tomatoes can form but if you get up into the 85 90 95 degree range like we're going to be and have been for a couple of days they don't want to ripen they can't chemically make the red dyes things to make the thing ripen so i bet the right part is in the shade where it's not quite as hot and the red part is out facing the sun well that um it, it's what was strange to me is the first crop the, the first batch that came through ripened yeah. normally from the bottom up but i think it, it seems to be all of them um, in the, uh, you know, whether they're on the outside or mm -hmm. the inside of the plant, it yeah. doesn't seem to matter, but I'll uh, certainly take a look at that and see if that's what the case might be. Check and see. I mean, eventually everything in our bodies and the bodies of plants has to do with chemicals, and chemical reactions are certainly sensitive to temperature. Some will and won't do what they're supposed to do at certain temperatures. That was what I think is going on with your tomato, but uh, it's just sort of the way of the world. That's why you don't pull, that's why I don't pull any leaves. I don't sucker tomatoes because here in Georgia, they will inevitably just turn green when it's uh, in the summertime and are very slow to ripen and be able to be picked off the vine. So what do you do? Rock, Ricky, I mean, you can leave them alone or pick some of them off. I eat the half and put the green part fried up for fried green tomatoes, I guess. Hey, sounds good. They're yeah. still good on the on the one side. So. Yeah, yeah, it's still good on one side. My mother would say, "Eat the good part and throw the other part away." It's nothing wrong with that egg or that whatever we were eating at the house. Hey, Ricky, it's great talking to you. Thank you. Great talking to you. Let's see you, man. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is the number, and you are listening to Lawn and Garden. <laughs> 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves the lawn and garden advice you need. Time for a weather update brought to you at Ackerman Security. And, you know, pretty much if you've lived in Georgia for a year at least, you know what July is going to bring. No Nothing unexpected. It's going to be hot. Okay, hot this afternoon, mid-90s this afternoon. Not much of a chance of showers, maybe 30%. Overnight lows in the mid-70s. And you can stay tuned for Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast coming up in the next few minutes on News Talk WSB. Tim is in Atlanta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tim, good morning. Uh, Good morning, Walter. I have a uh, fescue lawn uh, that gets a fair amount of shade, and it was sprayed by one of these turf management companies um, uh, for pre-emergent and then uh, fertilized this spring. And now the lawn is completely, well, 95% dead. But I do have a great great crop of of, uh, wild violets growing. Yeah, But the grass is completely brown and... And it just does not look good at all. And I was wondering if there's anything I can do to salvage it for this year. You're you're at a time when other turf specialists. I have a guy down in in Griffin, Clint Waltz, who sometimes refers to fescue in the midsummer times as as the midsummer fescue swoon. He calls it because most fescue lawns in Atlanta have a real hard time keeping fescue green during the summertime. It doesn't kill the plant. Usually, heat simply makes the plants look very brown and they look like they're dead. But if you take a, a plug of that fescue grass and put it in some water, put it in a greenhouse, it'll sprout back up again and look great as soon as temperatures get a little bit lower. So possibly part of the deal, Tim, is that the temperatures have just gotten high enough that the summer fescue swoon has come on. So it may not all be dead, but I'll take your word for it that some of it may be dead. So the biggest thing that I see usually with people complaining about their fescue dying this time of year is overseeding too heavily. So did you overseed last fall at all or the spring? Um. Yes, I believe it was overseeded. But it wasn't by you, it was by the company? No, it was by the company. Okay. I know this late in the game, you probably don't know how much seed they put down, but it's pretty common. I've seen people all the time say, well, I got a little bit of seed more left in my bag, so I'm going to throw it out there as well after they seeded the first time. And if you have a lot of seedlings together, they all get sick and they all die together. So possibly that's what went on. The company should know how much seed per 1,000 square feet to put out. So I don't want to accuse the company of not doing the right thing, but that's a possibility, simply there are too many fescue seeds. Yeah. And well, my heartburn with the situation is, is that, that, you know, 90% of my neighbor's walls are just fine in the Oh, when we're jealous and we're envious of our neighbor's yeah, well, lawns. So, uh, do you know your neighbors? Maybe you should go over across the street <laughs> and talk to them and yeah, ask them how they have that nice good. green lawn. Yeah. Um, but, you know, honestly, right now, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You do not want to plant fescue seed in the middle of July heat. It won't sprout very well. It won't grow. It'll die by the end of the month. So, honestly, Tim, unless you want to spray it green with dye or something like that, you're going to have to live with what you got until it's time to start planting fescue in the late part of August, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Tim, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye.
Yeah, the fescue midsummer swoon, Clint says. He sees it all the time. And unless fescue has a really deep root system and very pretty exact amounts of light and temperature during the summertime, most fescues do that. They just don't look so good in July and up to the middle of August, I guess. Check yours out if you have a fescue lawn and don't worry too much. If you think it looks a little swoony, but not maybe all brown at all. Right now it's 757 and one half at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. Our number is 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. She called her father and he called a taxi and got there before very long Cause someone was doing his little girl right for a change and so